Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. The kingdom of God is a bamboo tree. Last week we, or last week, well, that's been a long time. Last year, we launched our For the Kingdom campaign, uh, which, in which we cast kind of the vision and our dream to grow our impact on the kingdom of God through building out the campus, part of the, 20, of the 25 acres that God has blessed us with. See, in a, in a world of darkness, we want to be like a lighthouse that shines the gospel in all directions. We want to be able to meet people where they are, wherever they are, engage with them, meet their needs, introduce them to Jesus and help them grow in him. We want to reach one more, serve one more, love one more, and see one more life transformed by the gospel until there's no more left to reach. So if you are kind of unfamiliar with this, right, because you weren't here from when we originally launched the Kingdom Campaign or you haven't been for one of our Kingdom services before, and you're like, I have no idea what's happening right now. I see the thing on the wall in the back and the little stuff on the TVs in the lobby, but I'm not really sure what's happening. On the seats in front of you, there's a packet of information. If you would like to know more, that just tells you what the Kingdom Campaign is, the vision we have for it, what we're looking to do, uh, and if you're interested, how you can participate and be involved with it. So that just kind of gives you the general idea of what we're doing. So we've been in this thing for almost a year and a half now. We're about the halfway point uh, through it. So what we're going to do is we're hitting pause in our study through Ephesians. Don't worry, we will come back to it. Pastor Rick will have it next week. So he'll probably have like four whole verses that he does. Because <laughs> why not? They'll leave me with 46 and all. he'll have four. <sighs> So we'll come back to that, but this week we're going to hit pause in that and do a special kingdom uh, weekend. Oh, cool. I showed up for church for an announcement Sunday. That sounds fun. We're not just going to do that. Don't worry. I can't get on the stage and not teach the Bible. I don't know how to do that. It doesn't work for me. So we're just going to be in a different location this week. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 24. Uh, one of the challenges in kind of doing a campaign or something like this is that we're essentially asking people to pray, to engage, to support, to invest, serve in something that they can't see or touch, which makes seeing progress really difficult. We're a people that like things, to see things happening. We want results, and we want them now. And so here, 18 months in, it's like, okay, well, we've been talking about this. We've, we've mentioned it. What are we doing? Because when we started this up, we're like, we don't want to do this indefinitely. Right? This is not like something we're going to just sit here and just constantly talk about all the time. We're going to set a three-year commitment up, and then just kind of once that three years is up, we'll step back, we'll kind of look at where things are and evaluate what the next step looks like. So now we're halfway. What's different? Well, if you drive around our campus, you might notice the sports facilities, fields, those look a lot nicer. Those got a lot of updates as part of our partnership with Christian Academy. We'll talk more about that later. But if you look at the buildings and stuff like that, you're like, okay, what's different? Like, we've been talking about it, but I don't see where are the results? Where's the progress? The kingdom of God is a bamboo tree. See, whenever you do something that takes time, something that has a long process, typically what happens 
is that there's a season of discouragement and frustration in the middle. Because we're looking for results that don't happen right away. Because results that happen fast rarely last. You see it all the time, like with, with getting in shape. People go like, hey, I want to get in shape. I want to get in better health. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do stuff. We talk about it right all the time. I'm going to start this year is the year I'm going to do it. And, you know, New Year runs around and we finally go like, I'm done talking about it. I'm getting to work. And so we start up like this ridiculously crazy diet. We work out really hard six days in a row. We look in the mirror. We're like, well, nothing is different. We step on the scale. We're like, that's the same number. So we're like, okay, I'm done. It's not working. Right, anybody ever done that? Like, I went through that cycle like six times. And I'm like, why is this? I keep trying the same thing and it's still not working. And like, Here I am. That's my solution again. It doesn't work because the approach and the expectation are wrong. And that's actually part of what Jesus is addressing in this parable that he's going to tell in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So we've got a tale of two builders, one wise, one foolish. Now, the wise builder builds his house on the rock. The foolish builder builds his house on the sand. Most of my life, I misunderstood the meaning of this text. So I grew up in California, and so what I pictured in my head was like the beach that I was used to, where you've got this rocky bluff, then you've got the sandy beach, then you've got the ocean. And so in my head, the point that Jesus is making is he's kind of telling his version of the story of Icarus, right? It's the boy that flew too close to the sun. The wise builder, he builds his house on the rock. He plays it safe, stays further away from the ocean. The foolish builder says, I want to be on the beach. I want a better view of the ocean, so I'm going to build it on the sand. And he got too close because tides change and storms and winds and rains cause the ocean to move further up the shore sometimes. And so he just was too reckless with where he built just for my own ego? Did anybody kind of picture it the way that I did? Okay, not, so I'm not the only one in the room. If you didn't picture it that way, congratulations, you're right. Oh. See, what Jesus is describing is not a beach in California, it's a desert in Palestine. So rock versus sand is not about, oh, he built over here on rock and he built over here on sand. Everything is sand, it's a desert. In order to build on rock, the builder had to dig deep under the sand to the layer of bedrock underneath. It took time, it took effort, and it delayed results. So here's what would happen. You got these two builders building their houses. The one guy just sets his foundation, builds his house, he gets done, while guy number two is still digging a hole. So during the building process, builder number one looks like the wise and diligent builder, and builder number two is the fool. Because initial impressions are always built on rapid response. We see the results. We see things happen. So we look at that guy, and the natural assumption would be, look, he works so much harder, right? He's a better builder. He's more skilled, manages his time better. He's working harder because his house is done, and he doesn't even have walls. 
Like this dude is a real nincompoop. Like what is he doing with his life? No walls. He's done. Like how are you so lazy? What's wrong with you, builder number two? Finally, builder number two finishes the house. And still he looks like the fool. Because when you walk by the two homes, you would have no idea which one was which. And so all the friends, all the family, all the people who observed this building process would continue to mock and insult builder number two because he still looks like the fool. Man, it took you so much longer to build the same house that that dude did. Why can't you be more like your builder buddy neighbor? You are just, you're just bad at this. But then when the storm comes, the story changes. Now, Jesus uses very specific language here. It's not if the storm comes, if the rain comes. It's when. The thing that we have guaranteed for us over and over in Scripture is storms are coming. Every one of us, both communally and individually, we will experience storms in our lives. There will be hardships. There will be wind that rages and and rain that falls, not just the little stuff that's outside. But there will be significant storms in our lives. And it is through the storms that the story changes because in the storm, it becomes very clear that builder number two, who looked like the fool through the entire time he lived in that house, through the entire building process, he was the fool. But now, all of a sudden, the wisdom of his work is revealed when his house still stands and his house has fallen down. Because the difference between the two builders was not location, but preparation. And the most important work that got done was the work that nobody could see. It is always faster to set up a tent than it is to build a house. You can sleep in neither one. But where would you rather be in a storm? In life, there are always shortcuts. There are always ways in which we can speed results along. But expedience will always come at the cost of endurance. The brilliance of Jesus' parables is that you can connect them to so many different things, so many different areas of our life that it shares with us the practical wisdom of God, wisdom from the creator who designed the universe to work, and he gives us insights into how to do it effectively. Now, the most important part of what Jesus is describing is contextually, he's talking about our relationship with him, right? You got the two builders represent the two different responses to the gospel, one that hears, one that hears and applies. That's important enough that Jesus is not qualifying those who reject him, right? The foolish builder isn't the one that rejects the gospel. They receive the gospel. The foolish builder isn't the one that says, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. That's dumb. I'm walking away. The one who is the foolish builder hears the gospel, responds to the gospel, right? They like it. They support it. They agree with it. They even recite it. Because the church today is full of Christians who have Jesus' words flowing from their lips, but not written on their hearts. The builder that lasts, the wise builder, doesn't just hear what Jesus says and like it and agree with it and recite it. They apply it. 
They treat the words of Jesus as they are the source of life itself. They surrender themselves to him. They submit to him. They follow his instructions. They obey his commands. And when Jesus speaks, they don't just go, wow, I like that. They go, how do I live accordingly? How do I change my mind to fit and align? How do I change my life and all that I am to align itself with what Jesus has said? It's not just about hearing the word. It's about putting it into practice because the storms of life will tear down the house of all who hear and do nothing. It is only those who build their lives around the word of God that will endure the storms that come. It takes time. It takes effort. The results happen slower. But Jesus isn't looking for change that's fast. He's looking for change that lasts. The kingdom of God is a bamboo tree. That brings us back to our For the Kingdom campaign. Uh, so what I want to do is take just a minute here and share with you kind of some stuff that we've been seeing, celebrate some things that we have been seeing through this time. Uh, some of it is difficult to see when you're just here on a Sunday morning and we get into the, the roots and the, the weeds of it all uh, every day when we work here. So uh, one of the first things, for those of you who know, the, for the first step in our process has been to pay off the initial investment we have in our property. Is he talking about paying off debt? It's getting hot in here, man. This is church. It's getting steamy. I didn't know I should put my kids over in some of the things. This is not appropriate for their ears to talk about such things. But we, the first step is paying off debt because less debt equals more ministry. When we, last year, our debt was running at over $1.1 million. So this year, I go to Rick, and I'm like, hey, I got this idea. What if we put out there and cast this vision, we want to be debt-free in 2023? And listen, you can't argue with it because it rhymes. It's perfect. And he looks at me like, you realize that's crazy, right? Like, you look at the numbers, you look at all the stuff, you look at the reports, we got all this information, all this, and there's no practical way in which this happens. That is not something that we can achieve. It's not a realistic goal. It's not a realistic expectation. The only way that that could happen would be if God got involved, stepped in, and made it happen. I like it. Let's do it. So we take it to the elders. We pray over it in the, the group. We all decide, like, this is it. Let's go. This is, we like this. So we put it out there, debt free in 23. I'll tell you a secret. It's been over three years since we passed an offering plate. Over three years since we did an offering appeal of any kind. Because we're reading this text like where it says that each person should give. We decided in his heart to give, not under compulsion or obligation, but out of a desire because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. We looked at that and we went, wait a minute. How does putting a plate in front of someone that makes them feel a little bit of guilt or pressure to give, how does that allow them to honor this text? It doesn't. So let's do away with it. So we'll just not talk about money. We'll just talk about the Bible. We'll just teach people about Jesus and help them love and grow in him. And you know what happened? Our giving went up. That makes no sense. Like practically, you look at that like, okay, we talk about it less and all of a sudden we have more. This is super weird. Right now, as of this week, we have just over $450,000 left on our debt. Come on. Like that's... When we started this thing, the idea of just getting out of debt was like this crazy dream. Like, how amazing would that be, right? It was like trying to picture a unicorn. You're like, that would be so cool. Obviously, it's not going to exist, but it's really cool that we could be out of debt. But it was this impossible goal so far down the tunnel that there was no actual expectation or hope for it. 
And then God shows up and we're like, wow, we need a lot better faith because right now, provided that things stay as they have been, it's not just possible, it is probable that we will be out of debt in 2023. Like, we can clap. That's exciting. Because what that allows us to do is to take all that stuff that's going into the, to the loan payment and all that, and that money then becomes free to use for ministry, to serve people, and to save for the next steps in our development of our campus to minister to more people and impact more lives. It's awesome. And so the first step that we have in that is our family center, which is really cool. It's our biggest area of need. It's our biggest area where we're seeing growth. And one of the things that excites me the most about it is that it's an area that doesn't impact everyone. What? Okay, I think you just, we watched somebody go crazy on stage. This is, why would you be excited that it doesn't impact everyone? Because there's no clearer revelation of your hearts than that. To know that there are people here who are praying for this, engaged in this, invested in this, serving, supported, excited about this, even though the first stage does not directly have any impact on their life because they don't have kids in that particular age range. But still they're praying, engaging, investing, supporting, because that is what the kingdom of God is. The world is self-serving. The world is all about what I get, what's the benefit for me, why should I do this, what's the perk that I receive? But in the kingdom of God, it's about what we do for each other, serving one another, meeting the needs of the community and of the kingdom, and growing in ways that don't always have a direct impact on us personally. But we recognize it's not about us. It's not all for us. There's something bigger, something more. And I love that this church has a heart to invest in the kingdom and to engage in work, even if that work does not have an immediate direct benefit on their own life. Because that's what the church is supposed to look like. Oh, this is cool. Let me share this with you. Last year, we were averaging 90 kids in our children's ministry on a weekly basis. This year, we're averaging almost 130. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Like, to think that there are so many families that are entrusting us with the care and the gospel presentation and helping share who Jesus is and show kids the love of Jesus is a humbling honor and privilege to be a part of that and to see that growth. And the great part of it is it's growing, and the scary part of it is we're running out of space for it to continue to do so. Okay, there's only so much space that those classrooms can accommodate before like, well, uh, we don't know what to do with you. But it's not just the family ministry. With the, the space that we have for all of our groups, for our groups that meet on campus, for ministry, things that happen, those things are getting booked out and scheduled. It's getting harder and harder to find. Like, hey, I need a room at the church. It's like, good luck. Because this space is getting full. We're seeing growth there. Our student ministry, which if you don't know, we have a Unite service, which where all the students get together at one service. We also have student groups so they can engage in both, a big service and small, more intimate, personal community. We're adding two new groups for middle school and high school students to go along with what we already have. So we're seeing growth in that student ministry. Our baseball season just ended with 424 kids actively participating. That's one season, okay, where we run sports year-round. And through our sports ministry, we have the opportunity to minister to thousands, with an S, plural, thousands of families every year. Most of them do not go to our church. Many of them don't go to church at all. At every practice, we have prayer. 
At every game, there's a devotional and a gospel presentation. Right? So for us to engage in outreach and sharing the gospel, we don't have to put on white-colored shirts and a black tie and go knock on people's doors. Outreach comes to us through our sports ministry. And we have the opportunity to show the love of Jesus and to minister to children and to create a place where they can engage and grow together. We just finished our first, seat, our first year of our partnership with Christian Academy, which has been awesome. We have partnerships with all the local public schools, too, that allow us a lot of access and opportunity uh, just to share the gospel and connect with people in their times of need. And all these different areas and pockets of ministry that we have around us, we are seeing consistent and steady growth. And we're in this season of waiting and working. While God has given us this great big dream for what we will do here in Carolina Forest, while we're waiting on his provision to fulfill the fullness of his vision, he's working. He's moving. We're seeing things happen all around us, and it's exciting. When we started our series in Ephesians, we had one Sunday where we did like, hey, we're going to do like a decision at the end of service. We had seven people in one week surrender their life to Jesus for the first time. Like... So even in all this, as we're just trying to go, like, okay, what do we do next and where do we go? We're seeing God moving. We're seeing lives transformed by the gospel and hearts being moved and shaped by the work of God and his spirit. Not because of what we are doing, but because of what he is graciously choosing to do through us. That's awesome. Because the kingdom of God is a bamboo tree. Okay, so you keep saying that. Uh, what does that mean? I brought a bamboo stick for an illustration. Also, in case any of these people in the front row get out of line, put them right back. The bamboo tree, the Chinese bamboo tree, is a fascinating thing. So you take a seed, you plant it in the ground, you water it, you tend to the soil, you keep the soil free of obstructions like you would with any other plant. A year goes by, nothing. Two years, nothing. Three, four years pass, and there's not a single visible sign of activity. Can you imagine tending to that soil, doing that work day by day, seeing no results for four years? Nothing. Can you imagine the discouragement that you would start to feel, the doubt that would creep in? You're like, is this happening? Is this working? Is this matter? Is this doing anything at all? I mean, I keep doing the work over and over again, but I'm seeing no progress. I'm seeing no development. There's no sign that anything that I'm doing is making a difference. So why do I keep bothering with it? And then year five comes. And the bamboo tree doesn't just grow. It explodes by growing 90 feet in six weeks. You know how long it takes a redwood tree to do that? At least 25 years. 90 feet in six weeks is two feet a day. The Chinese bamboo tree grows so fast that you can actually watch it grow in front of your eyes. So I can do this without it falling over. See, for those first four years where nothing seems to be happening, the tree is not idle. It's growing a strong and stable root system. 
to prepare it for the massive growth that is coming. Without that root system, the growth that happens won't last. The growth that's occurring isn't visible because it's happening deep below the surface. And it takes patience. It takes endurance. It takes faith to continue to do the work when for a long season of time you're not seeing any results that come from it. There's growth that lasts. It takes hard work. It takes preparation. And it takes perseverance. And as exciting as a quick burst of growth is, as, it, as incredible as it is to see things happen really quickly, Growth that happens without roots, it's, it's a firework. One second, it lights up the sky with brilliance. And the next second, it's gone and forgotten. This parable that Jesus tells about the builders, the lesson of the bamboo tree, they teach us the same point. And in fact, what Jesus is teaching is this beautifully encouraging thing that it's really easy to miss. Because some of us are discouraged right now. You feel stuck. You're not seeing growth in your life. The storms, they're still raging. The struggles, they aren't getting any easier. The pain isn't going away. And you're trying to mature. You're trying to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You're trying, but it doesn't seem like anything's working. You pray, but your problems aren't going away. You work hard, but it doesn't seem like it's making a difference. You have the same struggles. You're falling into the same mistakes, giving into the same patterns of behavior. And you're trying to fight against it, but it just seems like it doesn't work. And you're starting to wonder, Why? What's the point? What am I doing all this work for if I never get out of this loop? If I can't break free from the situation that I'm in? If it doesn't change anything, why am I working so hard at it? What's the point? What does it matter? Is it God's mad at me? Am I just too broken and too messed up? Is there something wrong with me that the seed of the gospel that I planted in my life, it's not growing the way it's supposed to? Is that because I'm defective? What's the deal? And you're starting to wonder. As that temptation grows in your heart to just say, you know what, I'm going to walk away. Because clearly, this isn't something that I can do. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Results that happen fast don't last. And the best growth, the most important growth that happens in your life is not the growth that you see, it's the growth that you don't see. It's not the growth that comes in big, explosive moments of your life. It's the growth that happens in the waiting when it seems like nothing is working. It's those times where you don't feel God's presence, where you don't feel Him moving, that He's often doing the most growth and development in your heart. 
The people of God wandered the wilderness for 40 years before God led them into the promised land. Abraham was told he'd be the father of many nations, had no kids. 25 years later is when his first son was born. David was anointed king. Didn't become king for 15 years. He spent most of those years running for his life, hiding in caves because the current king wanted to kill him. You don't think during that time he's like, God, what's the deal? Like, you told me I was going to be king, and I'm hiding for my life. This dude who's the leader of the people that you told me I was going to lead wants to kill me. Where did I go wrong? Where did I offend you? What did I do to deserve this? I thought what you wanted for me was this, but it's not what I'm seeing. It's not what's working. You don't think he feels that when he writes Psalm 22? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? I cry out by day, but I get no answer. And at night, I find no rest. Man, like some of us like live in that, right? It just seems like, man, I don't know what to do. And nothing seems to happen. The soil looks the same. I planted the seed, but nothing. God does his best work in the waiting. Life is like a bamboo tree. The growth you don't see is so much more important than the growth that you do. And for a long season, you don't see growth at all. That doesn't mean the growth isn't happening. Just because you don't see results doesn't mean results aren't happening. You just haven't seen them yet. So be patient. Endure. Do not lose heart. For whatever storms you're facing, whatever situation you're in, you can know that you are not in it alone. For as Paul will tell us, that if you are in Christ, you are not just a new creation, but you are the workmanship of Jesus. That means that Jesus is working in your life. He is underneath the surface, working at the root system in the soil, growing it and building it in preparation for great growth. But the growth just isn't visible yet. Be patient. Hold on. It's coming. the kingdom of God and those who belong to Jesus the growth seems slow and then it explodes just because you don't see it working doesn't mean it's not working the most important part of the plant is the roots the most important part of the building is the foundation the most important part of the person is the heart what they all have in common? They're the thing you don't see. We cannot measure results and success because we look only to what is seen, and what is seen is transient. But what is unseen, the work of God in your heart, in your life, that's eternal. And right now, though you may not see it, though you may not feel it, God is molding through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is molding and shaping your heart. He is growing that root system that you have established in him to prepare you for the growth that he has planned in your life. So take courage. Hold on. Because even if the growth isn't now, the growth is coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you. We praise you for all that you are. That you tend to the soil of our lives. That you make life grow even when we resist you. God, I pray for those of us who are in this season of discouragement, that you would help us see, that you would give us the courage to persevere, the heart to endure, that you would remind us of who we are in you, and we would with steadfast patience hold on to know that you are never idle, that you are never not working, and that we would just cling to you and seek you in all things. Now, for those of us who are growing and maturing, God, that we would never take our eyes off of you, that we would not credit ourselves for the growth that is happening because the growth comes from you. For anyone can plant the seed and others can water it, but you are the one who makes it grow. So God, grow us. Grow us not just into a tree, but into a mighty forest for you, that we would be a community of people that stands for the life that you have and the love that you give. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for grace.